Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to In All Honesty, the podcast where you get the honest answers you didn't know you needed. I'm Michelle Alman, and I'm a five board accredited life coach and I use my experience from this to answer all the questions that have been on your mind lately. This week we are talking about cutting people out. I believe cutting people out of your life is part of boundary setting. There is actually a section in my book on it as well as a section in my book on distancing because those are two versions of a final consequence when someone doesn't respect your boundaries and unfortunately Cutting people out is often the most painful consequence of holding firm on your boundaries. It is the final boundary you can set. I don't actually know anyone who has gone through the journey of setting boundaries who has not, as a result, had to end at least one friendship or one relationship, romantic or platonic. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I believe ending relationships, whether romantic or platonic, is almost like the circle of life when it comes to human interaction. Some relationships end so others can begin. When we change, the people in our lives change. And not everyone is going to react well to that change and not everyone is going to be happy for us when we change. And that's why it's important to notice it, how people react to your change and make decisions based off of that. Within The Joy of Being Selfish, I talk about this, that everyone's not going to react well to your change. And I refer to a period in my life that I call the mass exodus, where there was an outgoing of people in my life. And it was very sad and it was really painful. And to be honest, lonely. It was a very lonely period in my life where I lost more people in my life than I would have ever imagined. Even people like a best friend who I always thought would be my maid of honour and had even like planned out my hen party even though I'm not engaged with her one day just because we were bored. Those people who you thought were your forever people turns out they might have been your forever people if you stayed the same but once you change it's a matter of guessing who's gonna stick around and who isn't and if you had asked me to predict who would have stuck around I'm not sure I would have said the same people who have. And I lost all these people, all because I just started setting boundaries, demanding I was being treated with respect and raising the bar on how I deserve to be treated. But still, at that point, it's still a bare minimum that should have been in my life anyway. 
Also, since then, I think I had a bit of a misconception that you do this in your life and you go through this one phase where you cut all the people out and then it never happens again. You don't cut anyone else out. But that's not true. In fact, I literally just went through the ending of a five-year friendship last week and that was also painful. Less so painful because I'm now used to it and I know I'll survive no matter who it is that I lose. But it's still painful and sad but now I see the benefit of it I see that it's necessary I see that it's a non-negotiable you see I don't think missing someone or having a love for someone means you made the wrong decision it's just proof that there was love there at some point in the relationship but my greatest deciding factor in relationships is how you treat me and it doesn't matter how much you love me if you treat me badly If you treat me badly, I will set my boundaries, hold my boundaries, and if they still aren't being treated with respect, then the friendship is over. I think when talking about cutting people out, it's also important to emphasise that you should always communicate an end to a friendship or romantic relationship before cutting someone out. This could be as simple as saying, this friendship is over, but let the person know before disappearing. There are, of course, obvious exceptions, like in the case of abuse. In those situations, make whatever decisions you need to make in order to keep yourself safe. But in all other situations, the other person deserves to know that the relationship is over. Even if it's just out of respect for the relationship you used to have, or the joint memories you have together. The reason why I emphasise that cutting people out must come with communication is because it's important that you are not ending the relationships because you are scared or you have a fear of intimacy or fear of connection. You also shouldn't be cutting people out without communication because then you are constantly running from the fear of having hard conversations and that is not how we do things in my world. We face the fear of the hard conversation. We ask for what we need, We say what we mean and we mean what we say and that includes when a relationship is no longer working. In fact, the only person I have ever regretted cutting out and the only person who I have cut out and has come back into my life was a situation where I didn't communicate before cutting her out. If you want to know the full context of that situation, I talk about it in my book, The Joy of Being Selfish, but that situation is proof that it might be cutting someone out but it wasn't good boundaries. So learn from my mistake and always cut people out with communication involved. Within romantic relationships, we have normalised breakups all the time, but you are also allowed to cut people out in friendships and family. So I've tried to include the questions that involve these different contexts so that we see a broad spectrum of cutting people out. So let's get into it. Hi Michelle, I have a very toxic sister-in-law who's been in our family for about three or four years now. Uh, Our relationship's really deteriorated, I've really tried to make effort, um, but she has really taken some kind of offence to me personally out of everyone in the family Um, she's posted things on social media so I took the decision to completely remove her from my social media because I just didn't want that negative energy I don't really engage with her now we haven't spoken when she when we see each other we we don't speak at all and it's quite awkward on the family I feel quite a lot of pressure from my parents to 
you know, make things right, even though I don't see what I have done. Um, she has picked some really personal things that she has issue with me with. Things like apparently I flash my cash, which I really don't. Um, that I'm a snob, which I really am not. Um, and I just don't know what to do now. Do I cut her off? Um, do I try and make it work for the sake of my family? Um, and it's really affecting my relationship with my brother as well. Uh, any advice would be great. Thanks. Thank you so much for this question. This is actually a question I get in a number of different forms. Essentially, when someone is treating you badly, but you have mutual relationships that are affected, which makes cutting them out harder and, in some cases, impossible. Or at least completely cutting them out is impossible. In terms of understanding why she particularly has an issue with you when you haven't done anything, that could be a number of things. Especially in a familial relationship, it could be jealousy, it could be the perception of you as a threat to her, especially with her relationship with her husband, if you're particularly close with him, or it could be the way it makes her feel important and more in control that in a decision between you and her, she is chosen by your brother. There is a strange power that people get in a toxic way from turning others against a person and it only speaks to the void inside of her and the wound that exists inside of her. Whatever her reason is, you won't ever truly know so it's a bit pointless trying to figure out why she's doing what she's doing because what matters is her behaviour, it matters what she is doing and how she is treating you and even the phrase flashing your cash is a sign of that. Even if you did spend lots of money, it is your money. You're an adult. You get that choice. That is your decision. It is no one else's business and you shouldn't have to justify it. Even if you are putting yourself in debt with your spending, a family member who's expressing concern would not phrase it like that. And as you said, it's not true. I also assume this is most definitely not the case anyway, because even in the most extreme cases, it's not how a compassionate family member who cares communicates. Through all of this though, I just want to say I'm so proud of you and I really hope you are proud of yourself, because you have been setting boundaries and you've been standing up for yourself and that is something you should be so proud of yourself for. Removing her from your Facebook upon seeing the hurtful things that she was saying was a great way to stand your ground, protect yourself, set boundaries and I think you should take a moment to congratulate that and be proud of yourself, actively proud of yourself because that's going to help during the rest of this journey. When it comes to your parents, they have put themselves in an almost peacemaker role but in trying to force peace, it is diminishing and silencing what you are experiencing and what it is like being on the receiving end of your sister-in-law's bad behaviour. Actually, it really reminds me of the drama triangle. I'm pretty sure I've spoken about that before on the podcast. It's called the Catman Drama Triangle, if you want to look it up on YouTube. But essentially, it's a triangle dynamic whenever three people are involved, and your parents can act as one person in this drama triangle. But the three positions are essentially persecutor, rescuer, and victim. And so what happens is when your parents get involved and they play this peacemaker role, or in the drama triangle, it's called rescuer role, that pushes you into abuser and her into victim, but also vice versa. So you will flop between the two. But this is why triangle dynamics never work. 
So you want to get out of the triangle dynamic as soon as you can by making sure they aren't involved in it. So how I would manage this is I would sit my parents down without anyone else being around and simply say, hey, I know it's inconvenient that we don't get along, but I am no longer tolerating how she treats me. I understand this puts you in an awkward position, but I would not let anyone else in my life treat me this way. And she can't be the exception to the rule. I have tried to get on with her many times and it's clear from her end she has no intention of moving past this issue that she has created. Now it depends what is most comfortable for you and how uncomfortable she is making you. Only you can decide this but you need to decide what is the consequence of this. Only you can decide this but you do need to decide what you would be comfortable with. So for example an option is saying From now on, if you invite her to an event, I won't be in attendance. I would love to spend time with you separately, but I can't be in her presence. Or if you don't think you can follow through on that, then pick something that you will be able to follow through on. So, for example, from now on, I won't be engaging with her, even if we are in attendance at the same event. In terms of the relationship with your brother, I would ask to sit down with him separately and say... It really sucks that me and your wife don't get on and I hate how it has affected our relationship. It would mean a lot to me if you could find time to build a relationship separate from the rest of the family and we could find some time to just go for lunch together, the two of us, every now and then so we can still have a relationship outside of all the other relationships in our family. Basically, the solution to this is to find some time with each family member to build your relationships individually outside of the group situation. It will provide you an opportunity to have a proper conversation with them without the topic of your sister-in-law always coming up. And if she would be unhappy with you and your brother meeting up alone, then that's just put a spotlight on her intention behind her control. And I would again just say to your brother, I really want a relationship with you and I still want to go for lunch. I understand it might cause arguments at home if you go for lunch with me, but I believe you should be able to have lunch with your sister without that causing some sort of issue. But ultimately, it's your choice whether you want to put the effort in to maintain this relationship. I'm so sorry. This is such a painful situation you are in. And I hope that your parents and your brother can choose to separate your relationships and keep your relationships intact. Best of luck and well done on standing firm on your boundaries. That is a really hard thing to do. But you are protecting yourself and that is so important. This week in Dissecting Dysfunctional Conversations, we are talking about The Crown and more specifically, a scene that happens in the latest season with Margaret Thatcher. First up, when it comes to the latest season, whilst I did watch it all because I find it really hard to not finish a series once I've started it, ethically and morally I couldn't stop thinking about Diana's sons and how much this would have dug up emotionally for them and it kind of felt a little bit cruel. To be honest, when it comes to the whole royal family, I kept thinking, you didn't choose to be born into this, but my point of view on the royal family has changed a lot since that Meghan Markle interview, and I've been talking a lot about it on my Instagram page, if you've not seen that, Um, because I think Meghan is a really good example of boundaries, but we're not talking about them. We are talking about Margaret Thatcher, who is in episode four, and her son goes missing for a brief period of time, and she calls her son her favourite child. And it leads the Queen pondering if she has a favourite child. And she states that a mother shouldn't have a favourite. I tend to agree. I actually looked into the real life children of Margaret Thatcher after watching. And I found a quote that her daughter said. 
that whilst unloved was the wrong word, she felt she never made the grade. Her twin, Mark, Margaret Thatcher's favourite, however, was described as the best son a mother could wish for. And I wanted to discuss the dynamic more than the actual people because I don't believe in diagnosing from a distance. But the dynamic is often reflective of a common triangulation dynamic that occurs between a parent and two children. I already mentioned one form of triangulation earlier, the Katman drama triangle, but this one is a different one. It's the triangle dynamic of a scapegoat child and a golden child. And being put in either of these positions has a really negative effect on the child. When you are the scapegoat child, you feel like you can never do anything right and you take that into adulthood so you feel that you are never good enough and often have feelings of anger and resentment. Some react by never trying at all and some react by trying to people please. Conversely, while the golden child might seem like the idyllic position to be in in comparison, it isn't the message that they are perfect. It is the message that they are perfect as long as they are the very narrow set of rules that the parent has set out. This leads to the child having fear of trying new things, fear of taking risks, and potentially fear of achieving their own dreams because to pursue their own passions would mean to prioritise their needs over their parents and many golden children don't want to do that because it risks them falling off the pedestal that their parent has created and it's a long fall and a really painful one when a golden child is replaced by the scapegoat child. Within the show and the conversation that takes place, the son makes a comment about the driver being overdramatic and his mother replies, of course she was, she was a woman, completely ignoring the fact that she herself is a woman. This is obviously internalised misogyny and it's reflective in the language used to distance herself from other women and that will be reflective in a relationship with her children and so it's not a coincidence that she has this closeness with her son but not with her daughter. This is going to be the case in all scapegoat and golden child dynamics, by the way. But in this scene, her daughter goes to the kitchen and describes it as intolerable to her father. And her father dismisses it as mothers and sons. And thank God that fathers and daughters exist. And I just wanted to touch on that because it doesn't need to be that way. And in many families and dynamics, it isn't. But in a situation like Margaret Thatcher's, where she has achieved career success by distancing herself from other women, then that is going to reflect on your relationship with your daughter and that will be affected. More broadly, when it comes to the scapegoat and golden child dynamic, it is created in a way to block intimacy and often comes out of the discomfort of a genuine loving connection. There is a lot of information online about this dynamic and this form of triangulation if you want to look it up. And if you would like me to go into it further, you know what to do. Send me a voice note and when I get three, I'll make an episode on it. I could do a whole episode on triangulation because it happens a lot and I think a lot of people aren't aware of it. Anyway, on to the next question. Back to cutting people out. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. 
Only at Sleep Number stores or SleepNumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, Michelle. Um, my question is how to feel like you've made the right decision when cutting someone out, when everyone around you thinks that they're so lovely and so nice, but you don't see it. Um... They were doing stuff to me and I didn't think it was acceptable so I stopped being friends with them. But now I feel like I'm overreacting because everyone around me says that they're so lovely. I'd really love if you could answer this. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you so much for your question. So the majority of people do differ depending on who's in their presence. And whilst that is painful, the solution to this pain is to be concrete in why you made that decision and therefore the self-assurance and validity that you give yourself that you made the right decision. Ultimately, no one has to agree with you and as much as that feels lonely, no one needs to witness or see them treating you badly in order to believe you were treated badly. The thing is, we do have to let people make their own decisions about people and have those decisions be different to our own. So there are two schools of thought around this. One is if you treat my friend badly, I'm not going to be friends with you. The other is the belief that your relationships are separate and unless you do something bad to me or treat me badly, then our relationship won't be affected. I personally believe in the latter because I think that's good boundaries. Some might disagree and say the former because that's what a loyal friend does, but I don't term it as loyalty because I don't ask my friends to make that decision and how I might decide I don't want to be treated might be okay with a friend. And as you said, they don't behave with them how they behave with you. I wanted to answer your question because this is a very common side effect of cutting people out. Most of the time, you will end up with having mutual friends who will stay friends with them. I personally have it in my own life. I was part of a friendship group in university and slowly I cut one person out, but was still part of the group. Then I cut another person out, but still met up with others. And in those stages, there would be parties I would be uninvited to, where all my other friends were attending. And yes, I won't lie, there were evenings I saw them all hanging out together on Snapchat and felt sad and I saw these snapchats of the party and kind of wish I was there but then I would have to remind myself why I made that decision and in the long run I was so glad I made those decisions even despite those occasional moments where I felt I had missed out. 
Now, I'm only actually friends with one of that group, but the whole group still meets up as a whole group of people I have cut out, <laughs> which is sometimes quite abusing to me, because I'm still friends with one, I occasionally still see it, but me and that friend don't talk about it. I might ask how they are, she might tell me, but I don't ask further than that. So I don't ask whether she thinks I made the right decision, whether she agrees with me. I don't ask if they talk about me. I don't ask questions that I don't want to know the answer to because ultimately I am happier without them in my life and I don't care who disagrees with that and I don't care who thinks I made the wrong decision. So it's about growing that confidence in the decisions you make and ultimately not caring what others think. When you doubt yourself and think you are overreacting because other people are not reacting in the same way, you have to remember they aren't reacting to the same person or the same thing. You don't know that that person is behaving the exactly same way as they did with you. So how to stop that doubt is I want you to write a list of every single reason you decide to end that friendship. You can either write it as a list or you can write it as a letter to yourself. And I would write it by hand because it takes longer and therefore it goes deeper into your neurology. But then I would also type it out and keep it somewhere accessible, like your phone, so that every time you doubt yourself, you can look back at your very valid reasons. Stop wasting time trying to convince your friends. They might never change their mind, but instead you need to focus on validating your feelings. You did the right thing. You made a decision for you and that ultimately made you feel better about yourself and protected yourself from someone who's treating you badly. Now, you've just got to believe in yourself and hold true to a hard decision you've already made. You've already done the hard part. So stay strong and know you did the right thing. I'm sending you so much love. This week's three quick tips are on how to communicate in that final conversation. One, if it is a conversation where you are ending the relationship, do not open it up as a discussion, but a decision that you have already made. So phrases like, this friendship is not working for me, or I can't be in this relationship anymore, are useful phrases to use. Give your reasons, but you do not need to justify your reasons. Two, it is not about how much you love a person. You can love a person and still not want them in your life. You can miss them and still believe that you made the right decision. So if their response is that they love you, you can also respond saying, I love you too, but my decision is the same though. You can love each other from afar. Number three, if the conversation becomes unproductive, you can put it on pause. You can just say, this conversation has become unproductive. Let's talk tomorrow. Or if you've already said everything you need to say, then you can just bow out of the conversation by saying, this conversation has become unproductive. I hope you take care and I really appreciate our relationship for however long it lasted. Whatever your words are, but you don't need to stay in a conversation if it becomes throwing hurtful or abusive comments in your direction. Hi, Michelle. Uh, my name is Margarita. Thank you for all you do on your Instagram page, through your box, through this podcast. I really appreciate what you say and it really helps me out. So I have a certain situation going on with my sad brother. We uh, have never had such a great relationship, but we mm, used to get along pretty fine. So, but uh, mm, the situation changed since I could attend uh, his wedding. He got really pissed and he 
has started ignoring me ever since. I heard that he uh, had coronavirus, so of course I tried to reach out to him, send him uh, a message, but he um, has never answered me. Already tried twice to reach out to him, to talk to him, to communicate to him. I, of course, told him why I couldn't attend his wedding in September, but ever since uh, he just uh, saw my messages without ever, ever, like never answering. So I don't know what else to do. I'm not the type of person who likes begging other people for love or for, I don't know, acceptance or... I don't like begging, okay? <laughs> so am I allowed to cut him out? Or should I, I don't know, reach out to him at last time? He just ignores me. If he were disposed to talk to me, to say to me why he got angry, what, what are his feelings towards me? I could understand them. I could understand how he feels and I could uh, deal with that. I could, I don't know, maybe apologize. I could do something, but if he doesn't communicate, I don't know what to do. So what am I allowed to do? What should I do? And what, what is the right feeling for me to feel? I hope you answer me. It really matters to me. So thank you. Bye. Hi, Margarita. Thank you for all the support on my Instagram page and my podcast. So I think this is a two-part question. The first thing is, how are you feeling? And I think you need to process that separately. When you asked how do you deal with it, you need to take some time to feel anything you are feeling. And even though you never had a great relationship, it will still bring up feelings. It might be feelings of rejection or sadness and I don't want to put words in your mouth but you need to go into your body and process that separately. So find where in your body you are feeling it and give yourself permission to let yourself have those feelings. So don't spend time in your head about them but in your body. Just sit with them, put your attention on the location with your body and if your mind starts getting really loud focus back in on the location in your body be still and let that sensation move or change or do whatever it needs to do and just follow that sensation around your body. This is important in order to be able to do the second part with a clear head and to remove your attachment from the situation. The second part is what to actually do with your stepbrother. I know you said you've messaged him a number of times but what I would personally do is I would send one final message saying Hey, I've reached out to you a number of times and since I've not heard back, I'm going to assume you don't want a relationship with me anymore. I understand you're upset I couldn't attend your wedding and I apologised for that. I would rather you communicate your hurt with me rather than just blocking me, but since you can't, then I hope you and your family are good and it was nice knowing you. You can either end it like that or you can leave the door a bit more open and say something like, when you are ready to talk, I'm always here, but until then, I'm going to leave you alone. Take care. That is up to you which one you choose. Choose the one that feels right to you. You are absolutely right. You shouldn't have to 
ever beg someone to love you and you shouldn't have to tolerate someone's silent treatment. It's not an appropriate way to act, especially as an adult. You are allowed to cut him out. You are allowed to make that choice when he is avoiding the situation entirely. You are not in the wrong here. No matter what someone has done, when they have upset you, you should communicate that and have a conversation with that person. They might need some time and space to forgive you, but then you communicate that too. In my mind, it's not hard to reply to a message saying, I'm still angry, I'll talk to you in a month. But the silence is personally not something I would tolerate. I think it's really disrespectful. And you are allowed, you have the permission to make that same decision because ultimately, I want people in my life who can communicate and let me know when I have upset them rather than dropping off the face of the earth. I think the silent treatment is cruel and mean and it's not the way you treat someone you love. And so it's completely within your right to make the decision to either cut them out or stop making contact and insist that they be the one that needs to reach out and they need to now heal this relationship and mend it. I hope that helps and provides you some reassurance in knowing that you are doing the best that you can and it's painful, but at least you are communicating. Thank you so much for your question. So one thing I am working on this week is I am trying to remove the word but from my vocabulary. I've noticed it while I was podcast editing. I use the word but instead of and so often. And that might sound like a strange thing to be working on, but ever since I became a life coach, I've become really conscious about the language I use because by changing the language, you actually help yourself change your beliefs. And when you communicate with others, how you use language is pivotal in order for someone to accept what you're saying. And of course, if you are a life coach, it's important that what you say is accepted. So one of the key words is but, but is known as a nullifier because whatever comes before that word no longer exists. Think about when someone says, I love you, but you don't hear that I love you or within this podcast or in a life coaching situation. Think about it if I said, this is really important for you to do, but it's going to take a long time. You walk away from the podcast only thinking about how long it's going to take to create that change and not what I want you to be focusing on, which is that it's important. So just for a comparison, so you can hear the difference in the change of energy and also how your brain interprets it, I want you to hear the difference between this. This is really important for you to do, but it might take a long time. This is really important for you to do, and it might take a long time. Notice how it's different. You actually hear both parts of the sentence when and is involved in your mind, and it's about greater awareness around my language. Ditto when I'm sending texts or have difficult conversations or even emails, to be honest. I don't really care about whether it's grammatically correct. I care about being heard. So be careful with the word but. This is a very stereotypical life coaching thing. So it's the awareness of using yes and instead of no but. And I'm working on it. Thank you so much for all your questions. This podcast couldn't happen without your voice notes. So I really, really, really appreciate everyone who's taken the time and energy to send a voice note in. I know it's a really vulnerable thing to do, but these episodes literally would not exist without you. And you guys get to be my co-host. So if you want to be part of a future episode, then send your voice note to me at in all honesty at mindsetforlife.co.uk. If you want that email address written out, it is down below in the description. 
go get my new book the joy of being selfish it is all about boundaries and if you enjoyed this podcast you will enjoy my book and you can also follow me on instagram at scar not scared find me on twitter and tiktok at the same username you can also get my first book which i actually believe is only five pounds on amazon at the moment or you can watch my ted talk have you hated your body enough today that is online I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Next week, we are actually talking about body positivity, which is very in line with that TED Talk. And in the meantime, have a great week. And thank you so much for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 